Hey everyone, it's Jono Duncan here starting the show with a really, really clever and insightful one-liner. God, what a genius. This is probably the smartest thing you've ever heard. Anyway, joining me is my supposedly great friend, <clears throat> Big Al. Hi, Large. Hey, it's me, Big Al. Here I am. I love rugby league so much it hurts sometimes. Have I mentioned I'm a Tigers fan? I trust rugby league or something. Is that, is that how, dude? Is that what you? Is that seriously what you, you think? I'm like act? crazy. I'm just, oh, uh, I mean, you, this is really no, upsetting. You, no, I'm sorry. No, this, this is look, going. I don't mean progressive I rugby league. Are we good? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Let's, let's just do this. Hello and welcome to another installment of the Progressive Rugby League podcast, where we answer all the questions you've never bothered asking because you weren't really that interested in the first place. John and Duncan here, big out to my left for those playing at home, and boy, do we have a lot to chew on tonight. Women's state of origin in North Sydney, men's state of origin in Perth, and a plethora of golden international rugby league nuggets from all over this crazy baking planet. Big Al, you're fired up. I'm always fired up, and I can't <laughs> wait to get into it. Well, let's do this. Let's do it. Before we get started on the reflections, why don't we get started with uh, our origin reflections? Oh, I mean, sure. We had the women's state of origin on Friday night. We had the men's state of origin on Sunday night. We were both at the women's game. What were your thoughts on that match? Well, we spoke about how this women's state of origin is a huge... I, don't know, I, would, call, I would go as far as to say it is the new jewel in the crown of a representative weekend because it is, it's growing in popularity. It's just the, it's a high-quality game. It's given the same treatment as any other high-profile Friday night fixture. Yeah. It gets great crowds now. Of course, this was the second showing, and it probably wasn't as good as it was the first year. <laughs> I'm only kidding. You're um, just saying yeah, that. I'm, I'm, just saying that. I'm just saying you that. You were there. I'm an OG Women's Origin fan, all right? You're just you're a bandwagon bandwagon supporter. But no, seriously, it, it was everything about it was amazing. Like the crowd was 30 percent up like on last mm. year. Like it was yep. there was over 10,000 people there. It was jam packed. And at that, st- I don't think you can fit more people in there. Like it probably says um, a, a bit about what crowds the North Sydney Bears were used to getting. Yeah, but like that's right. that's that's a, that's a I wouldn't go any higher than than 10k capacity for that ground because it was it was jam-packed well i'm not sure there's been a change in configuration because i've been there a number of times where there's been at least fifteen thousand people there you could fit in back in the day 15 16 17 thousand people oh wow so i'm not sure if that was just really dangerous or, <laughs> that's probably the that's I'd say probably it's the probably a mixture of both <laughs> yeah but they probably changed your configuration as well because you could not fit really anyone else i mean I agree with you. It was a fantastic occasion. It was my first women's state of origin. I thought the game itself was was really compelling. It was a great crowd, a good atmosphere. Very different audience, a rugby league audience, than what I'm used to experiencing. And I was trying to actually put my finger on what the difference was. And I think I put my finger on it a couple of days later thinking back. And I think, you know how we talk a lot about casual rugby league fans and trying to convert the casual rugby league fan into a week-to-week Yes. Proposition. Yes. Well, I think this crowd was really full of casual rugby league fans, especially mm. like, you know, young girls with their families coming along. I sat next to uh, a guy who was with his family who were normally rugby union fans, but they were here to support a player that they knew who was playing. So it was that sort of vibe. And, and what I found interesting also, that it wasn't just like a, a celebration, look at me, I'm here supporting this progressive thing. It was actually people engaged in the game, yep. cheering every tackle and every break. And it was, a, like I said, a compelling game that was really worth the stage it was on. Yeah, one thing I really noticed about the crowd was, to your point, mm. the number of 
young girls that were there. Yeah. Like, not just young girls that had been dragged along by dad, like the occasional ones that you see at, at a yeah. standard club club match. These were young girls that they, they're engaged with the game at some level, like, whether it be they play touch or they play Oztag, mm. or they might actually play full contact. But they were there like mucking around in the crowd like mm. they were playing their own games of, of touch or whatever they were kicking the ball around there was there was just so many of them so many more than you would normally see at a standard fixture and that's what this concept and international rugby league does it opens up the game to new audiences people who you know maybe interested in rugby league somewhat but don't necessarily engage every week with the nrl the game itself yeah it was quite interesting queensland took a, an early lead uh i think new south wales at the end of the day had just more skill in the outside yeah. backs and i think the kicking game from their halves a short kicking game from the halfback Matty Studd and the long kicking game from Kira Dib. That was pretty much the difference mm. as far as I was concerned. But, you know, what a great night. And hopefully, you know, in a couple of years' time, we'll be talking about a three-game, 80-minute women's origin series played at even bigger stadiums. Well, imagine if this thing could go on the road like a standard origin fixture does. So you'd, you'd flip it year on year. So mm. we'd have two fixtures in Queensland, one in Sydney, and yeah. invite the, you know two in Sydney and one in Queensland the next year. Yeah, and... I can't see why. I mean, I'm sure Queensland is uh, licking their lips at the prospect of watching some live women's state of origin as well. So, I mean, the thing about North Sydney Oval, it's definitely outgrown North Sydney Oval now. We had a packed house and, I mean, the facilities there are... It's a fantastic ground to watch rugby league, but the facilities there are not quite set up. I mean, there were people there lining up for an hour to get some food. The guy next to me was pretty upset coming back. Trying to get out of that stadium we call it a stadium that ground yeah. you could tell that it was obviously not designed for optimal traffic flows like <laughs> yeah. pedestrian traffic flows because it took me a long long time to mm. get away to wherever an exit was yes because there's so many bottlenecks yeah um, and, and you it think just there's me, an exit there yeah, but it's just the toilets it, just, it got yeah. me thinking like if there was an actual emergency I think we might be in a bit of trouble. <laughs> like, I hope. I hope there's suddenly yeah. you can just, you can pull down some fences and people can go. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a challenge to get out of there, and that probably would it would have been highlighted by the fact that because everyone was allowed to go on the field afterwards, and yes. there was a it was meet and greet with the players mm. on the field afterwards. Everyone was just standing at the fence, uh, yes. the perimeter fence, waiting to go on, and that obviously created that created those things. bottlenecks. But still, it was like I love North Sydney Oval, and we always have shame on me in an episode somewhere. So yep. my front up. Got some shame <laughs> that I'd never been to that Oval prior to Women's Origin. Yeah, I never saw the North Sydney Bears play at North Sydney Oval yeah. uh, in when they were in their um, first grade oh, iteration. Okay. So There you go. Still. Uh, but North Sydney Oval, it is amazing. It's so... Boutique. Uh, boutique, but it's almost inspiring. So this is, I'm going to get quite hyperbolic here. Okay. Right? But, I remember, like you. but I remember the very first time I ever went to Paris... So okay. I caught the Eurostar from London, and I remember getting a taxi from Gare du Nord uh, yeah. station through the streets of Paris to wherever I was staying, somewhere in the uh, the Latin Quartier, oh, yeah. which is where all the cool kids stay. Okay. Uh, and I just remember looking at that taxi window with my jaw, my mouth was wide open just because I was gazing at like the beauty of the architecture and the buildings and mm. the streets and everything. I had that same feeling when I first walked into wow. North Sydney Oval for last year's Women's Day of Origin, because <laughs> I'd never seen it before. Like I didn't, I, I just knew I was going into a suburban yeah. footy ground. I didn't really think much of it. Like I was, all I was going off was what Leichhardt Oval, which was a 1970s concrete yeah. grandstand and some <laughs> toilets with no plumbing. And it was just, I, I, I couldn't. It was, it just felt so special. Yeah. 
and yeah, grounds like that don't really exist anymore, and it's great to get use out of them for, for you know, it marquee is. events. It is, but to be fair, I think it's probably the New South Wales, Queensland, Women's State of Origin has probably outgrown it. Well, let's say it was about 6,500 people year one, it's about 10,500 people year two. If you mm. get that same growth, oh, yeah. like what? 14, 15? Like that, there's no way you can fit that in North exactly, Sydney. Yeah. That would be ridiculous. That's so, right. where's it going to go? Yeah, interesting times. Look, that's the women's origin. Fantastic event. Let's talk men's. Let's do it. I thought this was an interesting game. The game itself, I like the scoreline would well, the scoreline would suggest that New South Wales were white hot and mm. Queensland weren't up for it. I would say Queensland, yes, probably weren't up for it, but mm. I don't actually think New South Wales were that good. Really? I, they didn't really. I don't remember outside of like the James Tedesco flick pass at the very end mm. when I was like, wow. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't particularly impressed with much. I mean, it wasn't. Wow. It wasn't a bad game, but it didn't have the same tension uh, and or, or pace or, or speed. I thought of, of game one. Yeah, I mean, I think you're being a bit harsh. Firstly, I think New South Wales played an amazing game in difficult conditions. They were promoting the ball in slippery conditions, and the passes were sticking. And they made a lot of really cool line breaks and a lot of nice backline moves. So I was quite impressed there. And yeah, agreed. I mean, you couldn't really live up to that first game. That first, that game, first game was amazing. Was yeah, was it was pretty much the ultimate game. rugby league game. And, you know, there was a lot of things going against it. It was firstly coming off the back of that amazing game. It was slippery conditions. It was a new ground that people weren't really used to the configuration. So all these sort of things, the atmosphere wasn't quite what it would be at a, at a Lang Park or a New South Yeah, Park, I mean, so. like playing in a giant oval stadium yeah, does, yeah. does take some of that away. But, you know... Rugby League now does hold the ground attendance record in Western Australia for any sporting fixture. That so is pretty cool. That's awesome news. <laughs> and while it was a bit disappointing that it didn't reach the heights of the first game, it's actually a good reminder that this state of origin thing is a sporting contest. It always tends to hit the mark and hits the, the most amazing crescendos of tension and climaxing anxiety that you, you can sometimes think, is this kind of like just a script written for this sort of thing? But no, this is a good reminder that it's actually a sporting contest. Sometimes teams just don't show up and sometimes one team is just way better than the other. And so, you know, if we are to take a positive out of uh, this game, it's a reminder that it's real, it's genuine, and it's... Well, the conspiracy theorists would say New South Wales winning game two is proof that the whole thing's rigged anyway. Oh, for the decider. (laughs) Yeah, right. All right. Nice one. Let's go with our reflection, shall we? So... Can I go first? Okay. All right, just for once, just for a change. <laughs> so we've just had Rep Round. Yes. And Rep Round, I think, brings out, sometimes brings out the best and the worst in common themes among rugby league okay. as, as a game in general. Okay, hit me. So I want to start off with self-interest. Yes. We've, we've you know, done deep dives in how throughout the ages rugby league has been and still is plagued in certain times by, by self-interest. Yes. And those people that are dominated by their own self-interest might have the best intentions for the game at mm. heart, but mm-hmm. in action, they're causing further damage. Sure. So my reflection was, uh, it was based on thoughts that I had when suddenly I realized I was filled with self-interest, <laughs> filled with rugby league self-interest. Okay. So when announcing the Lebanese national team, I was looking through the team list and I was like, yep, awesome, Robbie Farris playing. Or oh, can't believe they've, they've named Josh Mansour at, at, at wing or whatever. This, yeah. is, this is amazing. I'm so happy. Yeah. And then Josh Mansour puts out a tweet later on saying, Oh, hey, everyone, I just want to let you know that I've been ruled out by the club doctor. He says that I've got like a little niggle or something mm. like that. And I was like, this is outrageous. <laughs> Once again, self-interest of the club goes above, you know, international rugby league. International rugby league is the growth area of the game. Everyone's being so selfish. I got in a whole big tizzy about it. 
And then I later found out that the reason Alex Twal, who is a Tigers forward, mm-hmm. was not named in the Lebanese team is mm. because the Tigers club doctor had ruled them out with a, a hamstring niggle or something like that. And when I heard that, my immediate reaction was, oh, well, that's fair. <laughs> and as soon as... And that was... I didn't think about it. That was my just straight up instinctive yeah. reaction. And then I was like, no, 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 no. That's... There you go. There's my self-interest right there. Wow. And that I... And so... You know, and this sort of thing goes right through and it has for a long time, especially uh, in, in terms of international football, of clubs making a call on players yeah. based on the club doctor's opinion. And, you know, should they be assessed by a, a, um, an impartial third-party doctor? Yeah. Who knows? But well, outside of outside of my um, insights or my epiphanies around self-interest, of which I obviously hold deep, deep... Um, reservations. Res- <laughs> uh, with some other really wonderfully unselfish attitudes coming from... Robbie Farrell. So Robbie Farrell went on uh, a Fox panel show and just spoke about how a lot of players treat rep round like like it's a bye week, mm. and and so they choose to they don't elect to be chosen by the country or yep. they they let the club rule them out. Whereas Robbie said, "Don't you think I'd love to have a week off?" Mm. But I understand international footy is is a growth area of the game. It's it's a uh, it's something that we really need to concentrate on, and there is no greater honour yep. than being able to represent your country or your heritage. Yep. And that is why I am playing for Lebanon this weekend. That's right. I mean, and, he's a an old man, let's face it, and he's got a really sore Achilles that he's been tending to yep. throughout the years, and he, and he still rocked up and, and played a, a really strong game with mm. in a very understrength Lebanese team and, and did his. his well, they're missing Mansour on twelve. Exactly right. <laughs> No, good reflection. You're just reminding us all that you are a human being, human emotions, <laughs> and when you cut, you bleed. That's right. My reflection. Well, today I'm reflecting on the relationship between business and sport. Now, some people would say that they're one and the same thing, and that's kind of true when a sport or competition gets really big. You think of the NRL or Super League, those competitions, where it's really all about the results, getting the W. And you actually spend more time through a week cheering business decisions than you do cheering your team on the field. So when you think about it, Big Al, you're cheering for 80 minutes of on-field action a week. But for the rest of the week, you're cheering or booing player movement decisions, marketing innovations, whether the game should be taken on the road or not by I your club. I often boo marketing innovations. <laughs> uh, sponsorship deals, board manoeuvrings, etc., etc. And that's cool. That's the way of the world. Sport, business, one and the same thing. But to me, there's still the sport, the game itself, that oasis of 80 minutes and everything else surrounding it. And I try to keep those ideas separate, if I can, in my mind anyway. Now, we love Women's Rugby League and International Rugby League for many reasons, but one of the attractions for me is that it still actually feels like sport. And it's a refreshing change from what can sometimes feel like a very business-like NRL competition. You know, there's less structured footy, less wrestling, which a lot of people love about the women's footy, and maybe less absolute focus on winning. The irony, of course, though, is that our hopes and dreams for these parts of the game are for them to be essentially to become businesses in their own right, to become financially viable, self-sustaining entities, i.e. like the NRL. We want the women's game and International Rugby League to thrive, which effectively would mean potentially the boundary between sport and business becoming blurred. So I was reflecting on the weekend as Women's State of Origin and International Rugby League took centre stage for a couple of days, and it was a great couple of days. How can you grow a sport or elements of a sport in this case, into an economically viable proposition, but retain that sense of sport that draws us in in the first place. And it's probably also relevant for an established competition like the NRL. How do you keep the sport side of things prevalent? I think one thing to acknowledge is that sport and business thrive from different conditions. Sport, the actual game itself, thrives from uncertainty, unpredictability, chaos even. 
not only in terms of results, but the way the game's played. People tune in to see not only who wins, but how things will pan out. If the events within a game are certain, predictable, then what's the point? Business, on the other hand, thrives from certainty. You always hear captains of industry complaining to the politicians, give us policy certainty and we'll create those jobs for you and make a mint off you. I suppose I'm saying my concern maybe is when sport and business become one and the same thing and winning is the be-all and end-all, it risks becoming predictable and stale. Just another product. I don't want my sport to be a product. I want my sport to be a sport. Is it just me, Big Al? And so I guess my reflection is a question. How do we grow women's and International Rugby League into the thriving proposition we all want them to become without losing those refreshing elements of those games which are piquing our interest? Mm, that is the age-old mm. question. So, you know, essentially what what we're saying here is like, how do we have our cake and eat it too? I hate to know it's yes, an old cliche, but point. we all know that for a game to strive and succeed it needs to attract commercial support Mm. but as you bring in commercial support you need to sacrifice some of your you need to lose your innocence a bit you get different interests i suppose or more stakeholders that need to be pleased in certain ways Mm. um and you know if if you're just taking the the nrl competition as an example there are certain things that we'd love we'd love for all football like one game on a friday night and then the rest of it all be played on saturday or sunday (laughs) afternoon but you have to appease a broadcast schedule you need to give your major investor ratings to attract advertising revenue and all that sort of stuff and i suppose also along those lines sponsors will only come on board to winning clubs clubs that are winning and so i suppose you know when we want to see sparkling rugby league and winning is secondary but really sponsors are like well you know i don't really want to put my money into something that is losing mm. a losing enterprise. Well, I think it's it's the notion, and I would say the foolish notion, mm. that the only way to succeed is to win. Mm. When that's not the case at all. You could not necessarily win a premiership, but still play a brand of football or have fan and community and media relations that bring in mm. fans and yep. engage your fan base. So yeah, that's it's, true. it's just that everybody is just blind to that. Uh, to to succeed, I need to win. Mm. And yes, like that will. Winning will give you some kind of success, but yeah. that doesn't have to be the be all and end all. And doesn't mean you need to sacrifice everything else to get to that. Yeah, and perhaps I'm being condescending to you know maybe the the women's game by saying, oh look, why don't you keep those you know romantic elements of the game? You know, no wrestling, and you know they could really just fire back and say, well, we want to develop, and if wrestling becomes part of the game, you know, we want to we want to win, we want to win the competition, yeah. and that's how you create a competition between clubs. You know, you strive to be the best and all that sort of thing, which obviously brings in sponsors and makes it a self-sustaining exercise. So maybe I'm being uh, patronising when, when I'm saying, you know, keep it keep it refreshing. Well, I mean, wrestling may not necessarily ever come into the game. I think the tagline of, of the WNRL or the Women's State of Origin is like, same game, our way. Yeah, And right. it, it might be that's the way that... That's just the way that women will, will play the game, mm. you know, based on a whole different range of factors. Yeah, right. Um, but I mean, the, the, the matter of fact is, it's growing in popularity. It is taken really seriously by those who play mm-hmm. and it will inevitably get more and more, I mean, it is professional already, but it will get more and more specialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, when I, I probably sound like I'm complaining about something like the NRL, which is, you know, a massive competition and, and I'm sort of dubbing it big business. I still love the NRL, no matter that uh, it is a massive competition and all that sort of thing. And I will love Women's Rugby League and International Rugby League if and when it becomes massive as well and maybe loses its refreshing angles. So don't get me wrong, listeners. Okay. Okay. Reflections done. Done. Well done. Thank you very much, Big Al. And thank you very much, Jono Duncan. Okay. It's time for the mailbag, shall we? I see you on the other side of the interwebs. 
me with intrigue. You know I speak two languages. And one is rugby league. So talk to me, I ain't one to brag. I just wanna open that PRL mailbag. Okay, mailbag time. Let's start off with Carsten, our Iron Curtain cowboy from Switzerland. He got in touch about perhaps, as he put it, the most progressive name in rugby league. Are you ready, Big? Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Tommy Chip Chase. Tommy Chip Chase. Oh, his actual name is Tommy Chip Chase? <laughs> Tommy. I thought you said that was his, so his real name, his birth name. His well, last name is Chip Chase. That seems to be his actual name. He, <laughs> oh. He's a, a London scholar, I believe, and he was recently selected in the Ireland students team. Oh, and yes. on that team sheet, it reads Tommy Chip Chase. Brilliant. There's also a Rex Bolter in that team, which is pretty exciting. I think that may be the last Rex ever to be born. I don't think any <laughs> Rex has been born in the last 15 or 20 years. Now, new listener George Clark from Sydney got in touch. Now, George has moved to Sydney from the UK and is now a Fox NRL reporter. He also writes a great column every month for the magnificent 4020 magazine. So George basically got in touch to say he really enjoys the show. Thank you, George. And that he considers Rep Round, particularly the international rugby league element, to be the best week of the year. And it's hard to disagree, George. And, and like I say, thanks for listening. And while I'm on, George, check out a great article he wrote on the Fox Sports site, profiling a couple of the PNG awkwards. So good article, George. Now, that's not the first time we've received feedback from someone at Fox Sports, but it is the first time we've received positive feedback. <laughs> now, elsewhere, our French via Brisbane friend Laurent Garnier he gave us a further update on the Toulouse Stadium situation. It seems they are inching closer to clinching a deal with their rugby union peers, Star Toulousain, to play out of their 20k, their 20,000 seat stadium from next year. That'd be nice. And it would be a home fit for an elite top tier club. So let's see how they go. It'll be interesting to see what it does for their crowds because at the mm. moment, the ground that we'll be going to, um, that they're getting about two, two and a half thousand every week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully that would increase things. I mean, it's really handy for us because we're actually flying out from Toulouse after we see the game. <laughs> so it's handy that's near the airport, but hey, not everyone else thinks that way. Now, also last week, we posed the question, what makes a place a home? What makes a ground a home? Now, Gene in Sydney, he had an interesting take. As a Tiger supporter, like Big Al, and specifically a Balmain Tiger supporter, I agree that the West's Tigers is more of a forced concept than a specific geographical location, which makes the idea of the home ground a tricky one. Playing at home should result in a better chance of winning, thanks to supporter attendance, but also knowledge of the ground nuances, unusual slopes, wet patches, the proximity to spectators. Think of the struggle to play against the Raiders on a winter's night. The marriage of convenience of West and Balmain might have been necessary, but a byproduct is that we miss these advantages. Plus, we train at Concord, another ground. <laughs> Thank you, Gene. And finally, Ian East from Leeds, or Ian from East Leeds, got in touch about the weekend's rugby league fair on UK television. Because it was such a wonderful smorgasbord, and because the rugby league offering on the UK box is limited, it was always going to be bittersweet. He was wrapped to have the women's origin, but disappointed none of the international rugby league matches were shown, which is a shame, a huge shame. 
particularly the, the Tonga New Zealand game, would have been well worth watching. It is yet another reminder how lucky we are here to live happily at rugby league saturation point. Whereas our mates in the UK and France and elsewhere, they get what they're given and you just have to cop it. Even from a Super League perspective, they get two, maybe three games a weekend on the box, none on free-to-wear TV. You know, it's another reminder of the importance of that next TV deal. Get every game televised and at least one on free-to-wear. Even if you need to pay for it, it'll be worth the investment. Uh, I mean, we spoke about this this before, the the sheer uh, disbelief coming from... <laughs> Sydney, where it's it's all rugby league all yeah. the time. The, the idea that you can't watch every single mm. rugby league game live whenever the hell you want yeah. is is really foreign. Did they get the women's origin? They did. That is outstanding. They did. They got the women's That's origin. That's amazing. Oh. And the men's origin as well, but no international rugby league. And That's I don't think they had, yeah. So... Because that's the thing. I mean, we are so lucky. We have so much rugby league to choose from. So I might watch, I don't know, four, five, six games of a weekend, you know, on television or radio. I don't watch it on radio, but I consume it. You can watch the radio while you listen to it. (laughs) That's right. So, But I have a choice of those games and I can fit it around my weekend schedule. You know, like if I can't watch a game on Saturday, I'll watch it on Sunday. You know, I've got flexibility. But really, in the UK, you're given these are the two games you're getting this weekend. And if you can't watch it, they're too bad. I mean, that's a tough way to live. I just... And so they're not all... Are they not all on Sky? No, there's only two or three. <laughs> no, it's hard to how, believe. How I've asked that question many times. Are you sure they're not all on Sky? Are you sure, guys? <laughs> it's like, no, only two or three a weekend. Spewing. Now, we also somehow inadvertently found ourselves, as can happen on Twitter, in a conversation with members of a movement we had no idea existed. The movement is Wiki Women in Red, and they are all about addressing the gender imbalance in the biographies of Wikipedia. Did you know, Big Al, that only 17% of UK wiki bios are of women? And I'm not sure of the Australian equivalent figure, but I assume it's somewhere in the same ballpark. So why is this relevant? Well, it's that whole, if you can see it, you can be it thing, showing young girls and women what their potential could really be. And we, in the rugby league community, can do our bit to help address the imbalance by creating Wikipedia bio pages for our female rugby league stars, which are, let's be honest, emerging and multiplying by the day. Yes. Now, Women Wiki in Red have what they have dubbed Red Lists, which are lists of women from dozens of different occupations which should but don't currently have bios. From my brief research on the matter, there is a Red List of rugby union players who don't but should have wiki bios, but not of rugby league players. So let's step up here, PRL fans. First things first, let's create a rugby league Red List and then let's go about creating those bios so that young girls and women can see it and be it. Love it. Love so, it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm on board. <laughs> so thank you very much, Wiki Women in Red. And thank you, Ian East from Leeds. Ian from East Leeds. That's another mailbag. If you want to get in touch on the mailbag, remembering that we are having a mid-season break after next week's episode, get in touch this week because we're going to be gone for a little while. So, you know. Get in touch and let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook. Don't bother with Facebook. We'd never check it. <laughs> Unless you use the uh, Facebook Messenger, we'll get those alerts. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, that was really Slug's job. And <laughs> he's gone. He's sort of gone. <laughs> uh, and progressiverl at outlook.com yeah. or Instagram. Or Instagram. Uh, that is actively monitored by me. So if you want to reply, it better be interesting. No, I'm <laughs> only kidding. I will get back to you. Okay, mailbag. Let's... Get on to Slug Academy. We like what we see when it comes to French Canadian rugby 13.
Wins. I went a bit lower that time. Oh, you did really I, well. I usually pull out. What you you go a falsetto? I do. And I'm not. I'm never a baritone. What's what's in between that? A tweener. A tweener. Let's I usually go, go in between. Anyway, I was a bit lower that time. What a weekend! Whoa. International Rugby League we have just had. So let's just go over the results, shall yeah, we? Yeah. So, so we'll start with women's. New Zealand women 46 over Samoan women 8. Mm-hmm. Fiji women 28 over PNG women 0. Uh, Italy women 26 over Serbian women 0. And then in the men's, we've got New Zealand 34 versus Tongan men 14. Fiji men 58 over Lebanon 14. Samoa 24 over PNG 6. And then in the World Cup qualifying stakes, mm-hmm. uh, Cook Island 66 over South Africa 6. And then in uh, friendly internationals, Jamaica 26 over USA 24. In Kingston, Jamaica, in... the first ever rugby league test match uh, in Kingston, Jamaica. So there we go. So that's uh, in preparation for Rugby League World Cup 2021, the that's Reggae right. Warriors. And then in English wheelchair rugby league, uh, in a two-game series, uh, England against France, we've got the English coming on, on top in game one, 32 to 25. With the French coming back, coming good in game two, defeating mm. them 50 to 45. And of course, in a wheelchair rugby league, there's a World Cup in parallel with the men's and women's World Cups in 2021. And I think France are the world champions at the moment. So champions. a very big competition there. So yeah, what a weekend. What a, what I mean, a, what a darn weekend. At parking what we normally talk about, which is Super League and Championship, mm. et cetera, et cetera. We'll get just, to that shortly. Just having that, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It was like, kind of an exhausting weekend. It's quite a lot to get through, isn't it? It's like someone sitting, sitting uh, you know, five prime ribs in front of you and saying, enjoy, I know what's your favourite food, <laughs> gobble up. Okay. <laughs> All right, Rubbing our hands. Put the bib in and sharpen the knife and, and in we go. Yeah. I mean, obviously out of those games, the biggest was New Zealand versus Tonga. I mean, it was a good game, not a great game, a great atmosphere again. Not the classic game we were hoping for, I suppose. However, however, Benji Marshall tearing up oh. at the National Anthem, that made me tear up just a little bit. <laughs> that good was, to see. That was really beautiful, to be honest. Now... It's actually really good to see also that New Zealand are continuing their recovery because, you know, they've lost quite a few players to other nations. They had a terrible 2017 World Cup. But Rugby League, International Rugby League, needs a strong New Zealand. Mm. And like you say, it was great to see Benji back in the New Zealand team after, what, seven or eight years? I mean, it's been a long time. Oh, yeah. He, he had not played for... I think yeah, it was since 2012. And I, I was wondering... Do you think he can last till 2021? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you just wouldn't have put him in for no reason, right? I mean, he hasn't actually said he's retiring at the end of the year. I wonder if the, in the back of his mind, because he's still playing good football and he's still an influential figure at both the Tigers and, as he showed, in New Zealand. So, look, I'd love to see it. But wasn't maybe, it? maybe, I mean, I honestly don't think Benjamin Marshall is going to be playing again next not not for New Zealand but playing regular club football for the Tigers after this year he's done I think he's done but maybe they can just keep him on a, a training regime oh so just because it's, it's he'll still have the fitness but it's that physical contact like yeah. he's, he's getting quite old for a rugby league he player is, yeah. so he'll just be full time professional training for the next two years full contact full well no he'll bring in full contact just before the tournament starts okay. just so he can play in the halves and leave New Zealand to be... Wouldn't it be great if New Zealand won? I mean, the best result would be if France won. Of course, but yeah. Get New Zealand getting up there. It's juicy. So Benji and Sean Johnson, that was... Uh, them combining was, you know, for a progressive rugby league fan, that really brought a lump to the throat, a tear to the eye. Can I also add, just as a side note, yeah. probably the most attractive halves pairing I think you could probably put together. Yeah. Okay. They're both very good looking. Yeah, I mean, easy on the eye. Mm. Um, I think I was sitting with my girlfriend watching that match and, you know, I kept saying 
how good looking they were. And she was like, whatever. <laughs> She's like, can I get back to my book? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tonga, obviously pretty reliant on their, their great forward pack and Jason Tamalolo, who was looked after quite well from the Kiwis forward pack, to be fair. I mean, it'll be good to see Conrad Hurrell. Obviously, he's in Leeds at the moment. It's yeah. probably difficult for him to get back for this match, but he's obviously a big player also in their outside back. So mm. obviously had a, a few shortcomings, but uh, yeah, it was a decent I think game. Tonga, Tonga boasts an outstanding forward pack and mm. a really exciting back line, mm. but they, they're lacking in the in the halves. I think. Yeah, they're, I mean, Tui Lolohia, he played. I mean, we've we've, had... I've tried to talk up Tui Lolohia on this podcast before and you've shot me right down. Uh, yeah, I have. So now you're going to boost him up, are you? No, no, <laughs> no. Is I that what you're going to do? I was actually confirming your point. Yeah. But look, he's a good player. Uh, not a great player. Mm, and mm. so, you know, if you're going to be international level, you, you ideally want a great player in your halves. And speaking of their all-star forwards, it was a real, really disappointing, or no, a real shame that Andrew Fafita wasn't able to play as well because, yeah. you know, he was he's part of the, the Tongan movement, I suppose. That story, we really, yeah. we really owe him a lot for sparking interest. I don't know how many, like, how old is he? He's probably getting on. He's probably 30 plus, yeah. Yeah, so it might not be... While he still will have further opportunities, there'll be fewer. Yeah, absolutely. Look, elsewhere, Samoa... And PNG was a, a game that I'd like to highlight because that was really entertaining, high quality contest, and, and quite fierce. I mean, it was close for the majority of that game, and it seemed like Samoa had the upper hand and were going to run away with it. But gee, that PNG team are just so ferocious and resilient; <laughs> they just do not stop going. And you know, just I just like to give immense, unending kudos to the the Kumuls because they made that a great contest. Samoa played quite well as well, and they outgunned PNG in the end. But that was a really great game at Leichhardt Oval. Mm. So another fantastic rep round, and hopefully in the next couple of years we can see rep round times two or three. Well, this is what we're seeing. Like using Women's Origin as mm. an example, it's growing year on year, it is. and rep round is was bigger this year than it was last year. Mm-hmm. It, I predict, it's only going to get bigger. Yes, and you might get more and more countries being able to come and, and play in that window, mm-hmm. and interest is going to grow, and we're going to have more prime rib to munch on. Oh. It's just going to be Gee whiz. so tasty, Leave space. <laughs> so tasty. So skip breakfast, <laughs> skip lunch, yeah, and because uh, you got a you got a big meal ahead of you. All right, let's go to Clubland. What happened? So let's start with Catalan. It's disappointing news. Mm. They've gone down to Hull FC in a big way, 50 points to 10. Wow. Mm. I know I said a couple of weeks ago that in the Super League, if you don't get 50 put on you, you're not living. <laughs> but when you continually get 50 put on you, I mean, that's maybe you're living a bit it's too nice hard. It's nice to hear they're taking your advice. But I guess this, this goes down to, like, Catalan are, are an enigma. Like, you just can't pick them mm. because they sometimes they play really well. Other times they get you know, massive scores put on them. Mm. A bit of a roller coaster this season. Well, it's a big shame because it was another heavy loss and another heavy home loss. And a shame because it was one of their biggest crowds of the year, a five-figure crowd. On a positive note, if we can go there, it was an improvement on their last loss to Hull FC, which was 51-8 in the uh, Challenge Cup. So that is, from my calculations, a three-point net gain. Excellent. Well done. There's always a silver lining. <laughs> on that On that crowd, that how many figure crowd? A five-figure crowd. 10,000 plus. 10,000. Thanks you for explaining that to me. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it due to away support? Yeah, I, I'm pretty. Yeah, so Hull FC have great away support, and I think they took 1,500, 2,000 people there. So that helps. Wow. The, the average normally is about 8,000 mm-hmm. Catalan. So yeah, the great Hull FC support good probably on. tipped them over 10,000. Okay, good on them. And they got a you know it was a worthwhile trip for them. They got the W. Yeah, very good. They got the, and that's what it's all about getting those Ws. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, to wash down that horrible, awful news, mm. I'll give you a nice little sweetener. Okay. London Broncos, 26 over Hull KR, 24. Wow. The battle of the bottom. 
Wow. What, this is a high-quality game for a relegation scrap. They were obviously both on 12 points heading into that match, equal last effectively. And look, I've been saying how good London have been considering their squad are essentially championship players. But maybe it's time to reframe that narrative. I mean, Danny Ward has turned this team from a bunch of championship players, really, into a Super League team. They've won three in a row now. They're third from bottom. Only four points out of the top five just quietly. <laughs> Look, Danny Ward, in any competition of rugby league, is coach of the year. You can stop the fight, stop the votes. <laughs> Danny Ward, coach of the year. So that's it. So this is the, I think you made that bold claim last week. Mm. Two weeks in a row, you're saying it, and that's it. Line in the sand. Yeah, it's no done. Even if they get relegated, they've Pay done. Pay out. It's they've, they've done an amazing exactly. job. If you compare it to the coaches that are being mooted as coach of the year in the NRL, like, say, Des Hasler at the moment is, is mm-hmm. one of those who's... Because no one was expecting Manly to do anything, no. and they're doing really well. But, I mean, Des Hasler has Daly Cherry Evans, Queensland origin captain. He has probably the best back in the game, Tom Dravojevic. Yeah. Uh, Jake Dravojevic is probably the best forward in the game. So, yeah. I mean... Danny Ward doesn't have that you know at his disposal. Why did everybody think Manly was going to do poorly? Because <laughs> they've got no one else. But look, they're doing pretty well. So yeah, look, another fantastic victory from London. Three in a row. Incredible stuff. Yeah, incredible stuff. So should we look at the ladder? Yes, please do. So Catalan, fourth place, uh, plus two mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. The, uh, in the top five uh, battle there. Whereas London, huge movements for them. So yep. whereas last week, I think they were, on minus, they were dead last on minus zero. Mm-hmm. Tenth place. Plus two, yep. out of the relegation zone. Wow. Plus two, 10th place, with a bullet. With a bullet. So ahead of Leeds and Hull KR. So, look, it's going to be an exciting relegation scrap in yep. these last seven or eight weeks. Can't, Can't wait. wait. Well, I mean, it's not a relegation scrap, is it? It's a battle for the top five. Oh, I think yeah, that's, exactly didn't we, right. Didn't we just highlight that? Yeah. I think, we should, I think we should put some work into working out the perfect, like, do some analysis mm. on what situations need to happen yep. for London. I mean, obviously, London need to keep winning. Yeah. But what else... Anything we can try and manufacture. Yeah, get back to us um, next week. To, That'd uh, be great. Thanks. To see, what we, uh, to see how we can get them to the top five. <laughs> what happened in the championship? In the championship. Friend? So another round of the Super Baby Cup. These things, are coming, these things happen a lot more regularly than I remember them last year. Well, I mean, Maybe we're just paying closer attention now. Potentially. Anyway, so it probably went... Uh, not we all, well, we all love a Toulouse win, but it probably went more according to script sure. with a, in what was expected, which is a, a Toronto win, 28-16, which I'm going to say is not... It's a good showing from Toulouse because mm. um, we've seen some, you know, pretty high scores racked up by the Wolfpack. Yeah, look, I think it was a, they did pretty well without some key players. I mean, they were missing John O'Ford and Mark Carella at fullback there, and away from home, obviously in Toronto, they were right in the game right until the end. There was a, a try or two at the end for Toronto that they won by twelve points. But you got the sense that you always got the sense that Toronto Wolfpack could pull away at any stage. Such was their physical dominance. Seriously. Set for set, Toronto are making at least 15, 20 metres more than Toulouse every set. They just have that physical dominance. But it's a really interesting matchup between Toronto and Toulouse whenever they play because obviously Toronto are a big forward pack, big humans across the field, and Toulouse are much smaller and have to rely on a bit of guile and a bit of ball movement. So it's a big team versus a small team and skillful and quick team. And there's only a very small path to victory for Toulouse Olympique but it's always interesting to see them try and navigate that small path because, you know, they have to promote the ball. They have to take risks. And, you know, it's fairly straightforward what Toronto have to do. They have to roll forward and then sort of do their set plays and all that sort of thing. And they have to snuff out, you know, offloads and things like that. So for Toulouse to be able to beat a team like Toronto, everything has to go right. Those passes have to stick. 
And it's quite interesting to behold and to watch that sort of contest of, of minds, the battle of the minds between mm. the coaches and all that sort of thing. And because I wasn't, at, because we had so much international rugby league and I was at the Women's Origin on Friday night in Sydney time and then I watched a whole bunch of international rugby league from the couch on Saturday. I was exhausted and I wasn't going to get up for the um, Toulouse-Toronto game. But then Saturday night or Sunday morning, 3 p.m., these people come home making a racket, uh, you know, in my apartment complex. And I'm like, oh, what is going on here? I'm trying to sleep here. And then I think to myself, it's 3 o'clock. I wonder what time the Toronto Toulouse came. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I'm not going to get up and watch it. I'm just going to go back to sleep. And then, of course, once it's in my mind, yeah, well, I could not stop thinking. <laughs> yeah. So I brought the toilet to the lounge room and I watched Toronto. <laughs> you willed out the potty. <laughs> That's right. Because you're a big boy. And it, was, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. So it was well worth it. So... What's happening ladder-wise then? Ladder-wise, so standard, Toronto, first place, plus 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Toulouse, clinging on to second place, plus 2. Yeah, there's a logjam of teams now. And look, there is a slight chance that they, if they continue to lose, that they may miss out on the top five. There's a few teams there nipping at their heels. So a big few weeks coming up. And I think there's going to be a really big game in a few weeks when we're there on the 20th of July or something. They'll be playing Sheffield, another top five contender oh, at that ground, God. right by the airport. Thank you very much. <laughs> How very convenient. convenient. <laughs> very convenient for away supporters. <laughs> Look, um, that is a fantastic international rugby league update. Before we finish up on it, I want to talk about English women's rugby league and another record crowd for the Castleford Tigers women's team in their Challenge Cup contest versus the Bradford team. They won 48-8 in front of 1,500 fans. Can anybody beat the Cass women? Well, it remains to be seen. It doesn't look like it at this stage. So another record crowd. Well done. They keep promoting that game. They're standalone fixtures, and people are forking out their few quid yeah, they're into to watch it. this really yeah. good team. And the Challenge Cup semi-final draw has been made, and it's going to be Castleford versus Wakefield, local derby, and Leeds versus St. Helens. So that should be fantastic. Elsewhere, the French Championship, we had the semi-finals over the weekend, and it was Saint-Estève-Catalan, 38-18 over Lesignon, and the other semi-final, Carcassonne, 20-18 over Limon. Excellent. I'm a huge Carcassonne fan. So am I. So on the 29th of June, this Saturday, I suppose, it's the final between Saint-Estève-Catalan and Carcassonne. It's the replay of the French Cup final, the Lord Derby Cup which was won by Carcassonne a couple of weeks ago. So now, a bit of revenge, we're, perhaps. We're, we're going to Carcassonne. We are. Wouldn't it be awesome if they just delayed that game by about two or three weeks? Do you reckon they do that for us? Uh, well, Can we throw it out? We're, we're a pretty big deal. <laughs> Apparently. Now, I just want to also mention, this is courtesy of the Twitter feed of Catalan Media, wonderful man who gives all sorts of information on French Rugby League. In Elite 2, which is, I suppose, their reserve-grade competition, they had the final last week. And, look, I don't have the result with me because I couldn't get past this fact. There were 10 red cards in that final. Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What do we know? I'm going to assume... Thuggery? Well, there's a massive brawl Brawl. at halftime. Oh, dear. So, yeah. That's a shame. That really really undermines... The progress that they're making. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. I assume they're making progress. Yeah. Well, that is another wonderful French-Canadian rugby league update. Let's bring it home. Let's do it. Let's do it with the prog moms. Prog moms. So I'm just going to keep riffing off what I've been going on all episode. Hmm. Women's state of origin. Okay. My progressive moment is 
it's growth. It's relentless growth. Yes. And the fantastic results it's already had. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think I already mentioned every single of these stats at the top of the show, mm-hmm. but the crowd grew by 60, 40%, I think, something like that. Mm. Uh, ratings were up. And it's also being shown live in England. It's just fantastic. Like, we spoke about the um, the fans that it attracts, yeah. how it helps re-engage with women, both young girls that are currently playing or on the sides of playing, yeah. as well as their parents. And it brings it just brings a different crowd to the game and shows how amazing it can be. Yeah. And I think everybody's attitude towards it, again, highlights things that people people that aren't in the game may assume about a rugby league fan. Mm. We were both at the ground and everybody was into it. People yep. were chanting, you know, New South Wales, New South Wales. The crowd was all mm. up, you know. Making... Were you chanting New South Wales, New South Wales? No, I was chanting rugby league, rugby league. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But I was chanting. I thought no, I heard that. I was chanting nonetheless. Yeah, well done. Look, and... <laughs> I, look that's a good problem, and I don't want to rain on your parade because I, I agree with everything you've said. But. Mm. The old, but. the famous Jono but. <laughs> Last week... Listeners will remember that you had a pretty piss poor prog mom. That really wasn't a prog mom. You were just regurgitating what you said earlier in the show, and whoa, whoa. and you promised you promised to have two prog moms this week. I don't think I so, promised anything. I think you just directed me to. And you know what? I don't take orders from anybody, man. <laughs> well, let me just say, this is a good prog mom, but I don't know if it's a prog mom because you, we have just, just stuff, I, stuff I've already said. So, so this is my, if this, if this were an essay, that would be the final paragraph. <laughs> yeah, Here's much. all the things I've already said. Regurgitating. In conclusion. No, look, <sighs> no, I, look, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but next week I expect Three, four, four, four prog moms from you. All right. I'm outraged. But in saying that, I agree with everything you said and it was very eloquently put. So thank you very much. You're, <laughs> You're a great welcome. human being. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my progmon comes from that Castleford game versus Bradford, the Challenge Cup. This was an amazing move because one of our pillars of rugby league, our first pillar, is chuck it around, entertain us. And here was a movement by a lady called Georgia Roche, which was something to behold. She gets the ball about 35 metres out, takes it from dummy half, steps past one, puts in a chip. Not any kind of chip, a nice high chip. You know those yep. old school high chips? She... Competes for the ball with the fullback, takes it on the full, shoves past one or two, and scores under the post. Beautiful. That was just an amazing piece of skill by Georgia, who I think was is the woman of steel from last year as well, the incredible player, English international as well. So that was my prog mom of the week. And I was going to add Benji's tears as another prog mom, but since you already said that. I already said that, that, that counts. So <laughs> if, if, if just plays throughout the weekend count as prog moms, can I say like... Uh, James Tedesco's flick pass. No, you already said to that. To ice the game for state of I didn't. That, did I say that? You said that at the start. I think of the I show. said that in pre-record chat. Oh, well, go back and check the tape. I did not say that on the record. Well, it's too late anyway because you've got to have four next week. <laughs> all right, fine. Ah, oh, goodness gracious. What did he say? All righty. Look, it's been a wonderful. We all know who pulls the strings around here. <laughs> Look, it's been a wonderful week in Progressive Rugby League and International Rugby League, Women's Rugby League, and all of the above and below. So thanks for your time. And until next week, Rugby League, hold me and see ya. (laughs) Both of them. Yeah, why not? All right. See you, folks. In Rugby League, we trust. 